EP4 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm Willa Rowe. And this week, we are talking about what a fucked up week it's been for uh, games media. And then we have like a, a, a less a less fucked up segment at the end. So yeah, stop me if you've heard this one before. We're going to talk about how games media kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Let's start with the worst. Well, let's let's start with one of the it's going to be a bad news sandwich. So, um probably like the at least like the biggest story this week was uh the layoffs at Geo Media uh which if there that's a real stop if you've heard this one before situation, like they mm-hmm. seem to do that like every fucking week. But uh, this week in particular, the like biggest impact thing was Jezebel shutting down, which obviously is uh, fucked, um, particularly like because of the reasons why it seems like it was shut down, which is I'm sure you've read this piece, but there's the thing on 404 about something that I mean, like we have talked about before, too, that like the this idea of like advertiser safe writing is like an absolute scourge to any writing online. Um, yeah. There's like an entire business basically that's devoted to like making sure that the content that you put out on websites has nothing in there that would offend advertisers because they won't put ads on things that have certain words. So for us, this comes up a lot. Um, just talking about games in general, because a lot of games, it turns out, are about war and death and killing and those are all words that you can't use uh which is why like sometimes you will see very strange phrasing and euphemisms uh, and things Mm -hmm. like that on on online writing uh but more relevant for jezebel they talk about sex a lot and that's you can't say sex either because that's dirty and i think like also beyond that there's like it is it is you know it is a site about sex and gender and politics and those are all things that advertisers don't like and because this business is ultimately about selling ad space as opposed to doing journalism uh that means they don't get to exist anymore even though the journalism they were doing was good yeah and then of course like the layoffs extended beyond Jezebel at Geo there are a few layoffs um across other outlets um in our like realm of people we know uh Kotaku had two layoffs it was Ashley Barden and Isaiah Colbert which is sad uh cuz like obviously they both do incredible work mm-hmm. um I know at IO9 Lynn Kodega got laid off which it's like one of those things where it's like nobody deserves to be laid off Right, but the idea of laying Lynn Kodega off, like especially this year after they did some of the best like journalism and reporting around D and D and Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast and everything, is like it's so absurd. Yeah, yeah, it's one it, of those things it's... where it's like it's very clear that like layoffs in like any industry, um, especially in the gaming wheelhouse, where we talk about this a lot with like developers and developers who get laid off it's like it's so clearly not about the quality of work you do like it doesn't matter it has nothing to do with that and it's not like the people in charge who are making the layoffs don't actually give a shit about quality of work 
because they lay off the most ta- like the clearly like incredibly talented people. Um, so yeah, it's absurd. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And yeah, I mean, like there is no clearer sign that it has nothing to do with the quality than like who was hit with these layoffs. You know, like like you said, like Lynn was doing incredible work. Isaiah obviously is like an incredible voice and ashley too like she's like very new to this and like incredible her voice is so fucking strong we sh- i guess we should say we kind of know ashley she used to work at inverse uh she wasn't a games writer not at, at the-, the time that i was there though that's true she that started, was before your time yeah she's, she started at kotaku like right around the time i started at inverse yeah. so i guess i kind of know like you know sort of in passing though ashley she was not a games writer at inverse like she kotaku as far as i know was her first like games writing gig and she like jumped into it and already was writing like some of the best shit out there um yeah and it's so it's just it's a it's it's very frustrating from like you can see that impacting like both ends of people's careers right like people like lynn have like have built up this huge portfolio of things of like They've been doing incredible work for a long time, and that's not enough to insulate them. And then at the other end, you have someone like Ashley, who is like relatively new to the space and already fucking crushing it. And this decision can be something that could like kneecap her career. You know, like I don't think it's going to because she's incredible, but like I'm sure someone else will pick her up and then eventually lay her off as they do all of us again in the future. But it's just like it's it's very easy to see how it this system of like constant layoffs like punishes people who've been in it for so long and like devoted themselves to one outlet uh and at the same time it discourages people from sticking around who are newer to the space because you know your lifespan is a year or two at any given publication so that's that's the that's one of the terrible pieces of news for this week um don't worry we'll get back to more bad news yeah um and then something that happened sort of in the wake of that was uh well not in the wake of that but something that happened it was before it was the first thing in the week that happened it was the first thing but i I just mean like i think something that has happened as a result of the media landscape being as fucked as it is is there's been like a number of these like independent outlets springing up you know the defectors of video games dare Uh, we say the defectors of video games yeah um and this week it was aftermath I guess so. It's Gita Jackson, Riley McLeod, Nathan Grayson, and Luke Plunkett. Those are like the four who are officially running it. And then they're like ever-present guest contributor, I guess, is Chris Pearson. So, yeah. And this is something that like we saw like you know, pop up. And obviously, God, this is already, because this is the internet, I'm like already preparing for like our things, anything we say to be taken out of context. I think we have complicated feelings about all of these, all of these sites. Um, Yeah. And to like, yeah, to explain it, like, because I don't think we really did. <laughs> they, um, they're a oh, bunch yeah. of ex-Kotaku people um, who were kind of like around during like the heyday of Kotaku before like there was the massive exodus of people. Uh, but they founded Aftermath, which is their new defector of games, essentially. Um, and yeah, it's there is a lot of complicated feelings about it. And I think the feelings have changed a lot as the week went on because it it changes in response to other news. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing to say immediately is obviously it's good that these writers who are very, very talented get to have a place to do the good work away from like advertiser based advertisement based models away from like dumb CEOs who do terrible layoffs away from the need to adhere to SEO 
and all that. That is amazing. And it's really great. Um, I am reading it. Like yeah. I am enjoying it. I I have always like Gita has been a person who I've always looked up to and read their work. And so I'm incredibly happy to have a place to read Gita more consistently. But then it brings us, I think, very like to to talk about the rest of our feelings on it. I think we have to talk about the other bad news that yeah. happened. Well, I mean, before that, I mean there I I think in that general sense, like like you said, like Gita is fucking foundational to like the game journalism scene right now. Uh, and like, I'm, you know, obviously there's like the others at that site are, are all wonderful as well. But for me, like Gita and Riley are the ones who I read the most and whose work I like the most. And so like, this is in no way to say like they, sh- they obviously deserve to have all of the things you just said, but I think so do the rest of us. And that's, that is the issue around aftermath around 404 and defector and remap and all of these things is that those sites can only succeed because the writers built up a, a name for themselves working for those corporate sites that eventually like chewed them up and spit them out. Right. And it just, I don't know what to, what I can say that's more um, sophisticated than just that fucking sucks that you need to first build up your platform on this, on these horrible, like often soul crushing sites before you can branch out and do the stuff you really like, because there are so many people out there who like will never get the chance to get in the door at those corporate sites, but have so much to say and are already doing such good work for like little to no pay that like just because they didn't have a well-known masthead behind them, they will never have the chance to do the kind of work that now folks like Gita and Riley and, you know, Patrick at Remap and, and everybody, all these people who have like yeah, I don't know. Again, it, it, it's it's so complicated because like when, when I even say the names of these people, I'm like, yeah, of course they should have this opportunity. You know, like I have that reaction too. Um, but I think it's, I think it, we need to also like keep in mind the ecosystem this is happening in. Like this can be a good thing and it can also be indicative of a very sick industry. It's the issue. And I think this will kind of lead us into the other bad news is that it's incredibly good because it helps keep good writers in the space and give them a place to write when it seems like the rest of the media space is kind of spiraling out of control. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow for new voices to come in, which is an integral part of media is not just keeping around old voices. Mm-hmm. It's having new ones come in. And that is the benefit of other places, which leads us to the other news, which is that Uppercut Crit has announced that essentially for the time being and for the foreseeable future, it is shutting down. And this came the morning after the GEO layoffs and the same week as Aftermath. And yeah, it's a lot and there's been a lot of stuff said about it and i mean so ty who's the the founder and who runs uppercut has kind of talked a little bit about it and like a lot of people have um having sites like aftermath long term doesn't help the landscape that is the horrible space of media right now because it only serves to give voice to the people who already have platforms i do want to say Um, like there is we don't you know it's early for it yet my hope is really that these sites start reaching out like you know um like Kiyun Chan had a piece on Remap the other day and you know Kiyun Chan is already like a a pretty big name but like certainly not (laughs) someone who's had that kind of legacy career like 
you know, the, the folks at Remap have. So like, I do really harbor hope that these folks will find a way to get even, you know, less known voices than that on their sites, but it's like just too early to, to know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. That is the thing is it's like, we hope and yes, you know, knowing the people it's like, hopefully like, obviously they would value that kind of thing probably, yeah. but these are obviously people who care about the scene, but it's a thing of, they are not the ones necessarily with the funding to do that. And the people who do have the funding to do it aren't willing to. Yeah. Whereas the benefit of having places like Uppercut was that, and like so many people were posting this when Uppercut announced this, a ton of people who I find are like semi-established names now and have followings are like, Uppercut was integral to this industry because like so many people who now are known got their start at Uppercut. Like, People being like, I got my first byline at Upper Cup with mm-hmm. no history of writing, with nothing. They gave me a chance. I got to write stuff and got my name out there. And like that was one of the important things about having Uppercut or or any other site like that. The obvious ones that come to mind are are um, Start Menu and Into the Spine. But it's like there is an importance of having somewhere that is able to foster and platform new voices to try to get new people in the space Mm -hmm. yeah it's that's the thing is like even if these i don't want to call them but these like sites from kind of established people branching out on their own i guess we like at this point need to come up with like another category for what that is even but even if those sites do start like commissioning pieces from from you know lesser known writers it does seem like it's going to be a less like uh long-term platform like people built you know built followings and built careers on sites like uh like uppercut and you know there are sites like even in um because i think he mentioned also i think deep hell and and no escape and no escape right um so yeah Yeah. there, there are these sites out there and like it is like in some way it is kind of like incumbent on the people who care about this scene to like do the work to find them but it is also a shame that like so many people who would be a, an audience for for good criticism and writing like that just don't know to look or don't know where or how to find these things. So it's it's more, you know, people who are like savvy enough to like find them should put forth the effort. But it's I think one of the biggest issues is just like discoverability. Like people don't know that there is such like that's what always drives me out of my mind when people say like there's no good games criticism. There's no good. It's just like shut the fuck up. There is. You just need to look. Uh, yeah that that drives me up the wall because there are so many people doing this work it's just like generally people who are doing it for no pay and no clout and nothing just nothing except for the like care for the craft you know but yeah for people like us and for probably like people who are listening who are are enough into the scene to have found this weird little podcast by the two of us (laughs) like you probably know that like there that that stuff is out there if you don't definitely go look up all of those sites like find find them but it's such a like an insular community in some ways like at a certain point it's just critics writing for other critics and like that's there's nothing wrong with that like uh in terms of the work but in terms of like getting people to have careers it's just not sustainable i was just thinking about this actually um due to the state of like um this is like a weird semi-tangent but i think it's connected in a way so Helen Shaw, who I've mentioned before, she's a theater critic at New Yorker, um, whose work I really adore. There was a member of the theater community who was a critic and a professor and like a producer. Uh, his name was Robert Brustein, and he passed away. 
And he was something of a mentor for Helen Shaw. And so she wrote this really gorgeous, basically like obituary, this really long form obituary about him for The New Yorker. It's a really fascinating read because it it starts as an obituary for this man that she was like, he helped me learn how to like talk about theater and all this stuff. And it ends up being this meditation on like, this guy, what did he represent for the theater community? And he represented a certain age of theater and thought on theater that like allowed for critical thought and allowed for people to want to like change theater and think that it had this ability like to do something larger in the world. And it ends with her basically saying something along the lines of, you know, nowadays, the only thing that criticism is done for really is to be in an echo chamber between like the handful of other critics. And there's like, it feels like there's nothing that this actually does. It was so strange because like, I know it was about theater and <laughs> theater criticism, but I could not help being like, oh shit, that's kind of exactly what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. It's, yeah, that's I depressing. think it's like, it's very obvious to me that I think like the reasons why Uppercut is deciding to stop running right now is so obvious. And I think another thing is that its whole one of its whole things is that it was a place to propel new voices. And it's a question we've all like everybody who's like in the industry has faced a lot. Why would you help people get into this industry if there's nothing for them? If like they can get to Kotaku and then be laid off or if, you know, the only way to keep your industry, your like ability to write around is to find like found your own site. But that relies on having experience and an audience that you can no longer get because nobody is like able to get the time at a single place to get a following. So why would you be this place to help people get into an industry? Like that is what I was thinking as I was like, to me, it feels like this is why the site is shuddering because it's a really difficult question that I think everybody is asking. Like mm. I've I've heard people that I massively respect in the industry and that I looked up to and were people that I wanted to get into this industry because of get asked the question of like, what would you tell someone who wanted to get into this industry? And they'll be like, I would tell them don't. Yeah. And it's so complicated because I mean, we've talked about this and like that... I don't I don't think that would that is my, you know, advice, but it is something that is really weighs on everybody to an extent, I believe. Yeah. We have talked about this. I've talked about how much that answer frustrates me. I think we sh- I mean we should I, I guess just say like in his letter Ty says like he's stepping away largely because of his health, like he's getting burned out running this fucking yeah. site with no funding and not much help. So like that I mean and that's like part of the industry, right? It's an industry that burns people out. I don't know. I mean, like when you ask that question, like it's a rhetorical question, but my answer is always because people care about it. And and that's that's also a like that. Right. That also speaks to a problem because you either have to just kind of accept that you're always going to live on the edge of precarity or you're someone who's lucky enough to have come into this with some money and not have to worry about it. Right. And that's obviously an extremely shitty (laughs) uh, way for an industry to be organized. But yeah, I don't know. It's I said the same thing in the episode that uh, I, like after I got laid off when I was talking about like, why do people do this or why do I want to keep doing this? 
I don't know. I get it. Like I, I get why people would choose uh, comfort, <laughs> and and I don't even. I'm not even. I don't even mean that derisively. Like I fully understand why people would choose knowing that they can continue to pay their bills over uh, doing the thing that that is like that they're passionate about. That's a very reasonable thing to do. But I think, I mean, as sites like Uppercut and like Into the Spine and Start Menu and DeepL and everybody else like show, like there are enough people who are willing to like do a day job while doing this work or like just accept that they're just always going to be broke to do it. And yeah, I don't know. It's not healthy, but it's 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 where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like... <laughs> I wish there was something more hopeful to say, right? Because we, obviously we we respect the people who do this and we we love that this work is being done. I just, I I wish that there was some way to make it sustainable is all, you know? Yeah. I think the, the biggest, the biggest worry for me is how even with these good things of like places, like worker owned sites that are away from advertisement, being founded like Remap and, you know, 404 and uh, Aftermath. It's all really great and Unwinnable. I really want to mention Unwinnable also, which is a really, really great, um, like, digital magazine is what yeah. I would call it. I keep forgetting site, to mention but... Unwinnable in this list. I've been subscribed to Unwinnable for like six years. Like, I, I don't yeah, know why it keeps incredible. slipping my mind. But yeah, that's also another great outlet. But it's one of those things that, and this is this obviously the case with any landscape and media but it feels like it's getting even as it is getting better for writers it's getting more restrictive because it's less like these aren't large outlets and there's only so many people who are able to write for them and it is that fear of like just like how do we how in this landscape do we make it so that new writers are able to get their voices in them <laughs> and obviously that's going to be the on the people who find who found these new sites if mm -hmm. that is what they're going to decide they want to do is like help get new voices out there yeah but that is it you know that is a we will wait and see yeah uh also if anyone wants to donate like a million dollars to girl mode we will start our own website and uh pay people to write for us yeah <laughs> I'll be I'll be an editor. It'll be great. I've, yeah. I'll be so fun to work with. I promise. You'll finally fulfill your your dream of crushing writers beneath your boot. I I am really fun and chill to work with. No comment. <laughs> uh, do we want to? I guess move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our bef before it became apparent that this was going to be the sort of theme of of the the news for the week, we had our our other. Uh, much sillier. Um, also, we I I could see us getting mad while we do this segment too. But our our much lighter segment was going to be. Um, so we're recording this on Sunday the twelfth. Uh, Monday the thirteenth, the Game Awards is releasing its official nominations. For anyone who's unaware, I guess we should say uh, Inverse is a member of the voting jury. So we had some input in the official nominations. I, I guess if anyone's unaware, the way that that these nominations work, it's not like the Game Awards as an entity choosing them. A ballot is sent out to, I don't know, a couple dozen outlets across the world. I don't know how, how exactly many there are. You can look up. They have all the voting outlets on yeah, their site. They're all listed online. But they send basically everyone who's on the jury. They just say, here are all the categories. Give us five, your, your outlets, five nominations. And then they, I guess, average... You know, however many votes certain games get, whoever gets the most becomes the the ballot. And then 
that ballot uh, with the final nominations is sent back out to the same outlets who vote from that list of five, which will win. So the two of us had some input on how this is going to go down, but we are, I don't know, part of the voting body in one of these members of the jury of which there are many, 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 many. So I suspect that the official nominations is going to look much different from our our ballot, uh, which is, I've got to say, I said this last year, I'll say it again, the inverse ballot is an incredible document. It kind of fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish we could release it to the public. <laughs> I wish we could. Uh, fortunately, no such restrictions exist on girl mode because no one cares what we think. So we can release mm-hmm. our own ballot. It doesn't mean anything. So what our segment here is going to be, we're going to we're going to try to predict what the nominations are in a couple of key categories. This isn't what we want it to be. I want to be very This clear. is what we think it will be. We have much better taste than this. But here is what we think the, you know, games media apparatus in aggregate has has chosen as its nominations. Okay, so I think we got to go we we got to start with game of the year just should we big. start with game of the year or should we work up to game of the year? I think we start. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. There are so there are six slots. I looked it up from There's last six year. This year. Well, it was same as last year. I looked it up. I thought it was five. No. Why did we only pick five? <laughs> I have no idea. Ask Jeff. Jeff, <laughs> let's reach out and ask Jeff. Um, but no, yeah, there are six nomination slots. Like six games get nominated. Did they change it from last year? No, last year. You fact check me on this. No, Look I'm at the saying, nominations is it five from this last year? year. I have no idea. They don't th- say. We only vote. Oh, I, I swear they told us five. It's like the anyway. Oscars. They just decide to change it willy nilly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's going to be six games in Game of the Year. Uh huh. I think so, we just got to go through. This is this might be so fast. <laughs> yeah. Right off the bat, there's some that we know are going to be on there. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate 3, Tears of the Kingdom. We gotta put Baldur's Gate, yeah. So, Baldur's Gate 3, Tears of the Kingdom, definitely. Spider-Man 2. Yeah, Spider-Man 2. I think there's one big question on this category. (sighs) I think we save it for last. I think, yes. I I wanted to, like, prompt you to not say it. Yeah, I already (laughs) know we were going to talk about this. I'll throw it out there. I I know it's recency bias, but I think Alan Wake 2 is going to get on the list. Well, yeah, but it's it's recency bias for everyone. Cause so exactly. I think it will be definitely on there. It's the God of War Ragnarok effect. Yes. And but I've been from what I've heard mostly from you, it does seem like a more yeah. worthy uh, nominee than God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. So we have four on here. There are two left. We already know what one of them is going to be, but we're going to wait for last. So we need something in number five. Could it be Resident Evil 4? Oh, God. Could it be... Uh, what else is on here? Oh, could it be Armored Core? Oh, yeah. It's probably going to be Armored Core. That broke through enough. That feels like, you know, games journalists across the board kind of love that game. Yes. I think I think that would be safe to say. Which means we have one slot left. So okay, yeah. we were. I know what we were. We were both going to say, mm-hmm. but this means that only either Starfield or Final Fantasy sixteen will get in. 
Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that. Really? What were you thinking? Do you want me to say what? Wait. Oh, I, I have enough, even in my shriveled little heart. I, have I think enough Hogwarts faith Legacy might gonna, get it. There's no way. I think it might. There's no way. <laughs> Listen, I my shriveled heart is fully black. I have no faith. I don't know. That would be. I I I'm sh- I'm sure some outlets are going to put it on the ballot, but enough. I think okay. Even given the absolutely deranged reviews that that game got, I think seeing how much pushback it got, I think there's going to be a lot of people at outlets just saying like, "We can't like just I refuse to allow this on the ballot." Okay, here. How about let's work with. Here's what we're going to work with. Oh, so the other options are. That's so depressing. I don't know. You really think it's going to be on there? I kind of do. I'm. I mean, I am worried it is. Like, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like I feel like because there are other options, people are going to say like, let's not make uh-huh. people with consciences yell at us again. I think. Okay, so the things we have to work with are Hogwarts Legacy, Starfield, and Final Fantasy 16. A question for you. Uh huh. Do you think maybe? Armored Core doesn't cut it. I I think that's a that's a real possibility. But I challenge you though, and here's what I here's what I'll say. From Software has a really good track record at the Game Awards. That's 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 very true. Elden Ring, Sekiro. Yes, but Elden Ring was a giant. Well, yeah, Sekiro too. Okay, that's the things I was going to say. Elden Ring obviously is it's like a big open world thing. Of course, but Sekiro it's, you know, famously is kind of their like most divisive, like yeah. challenging one, and it won Game of the Year. It wasn't even nominated; it won. I think that's why Armored Core gets in because I think software is truly the Meryl Streep of the Game Awards. Yes, I just think has every to be there. outlet has an Armored Core sicko, but I don't think every outlet has a Starfield, Hogwarts, or Final Fantasy sixteen sicko. Okay, do we say, here's the one I would say out of, between Starfield, Hogwarts Legacy, and Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy. It's like, I think it had its own issues, but there was enough critical praise for it that it was like, oh, some people don't like it, but some people really like it. Also, it has the narrative behind it. Everybody loves Yoshi P. Um, I think also Final Fantasy 16 has a really good chance of winning performance category oh yeah uh ben star probably gonna win and i think people are probably inclined to nominate uh-huh. for game of the year games that they also think has like one exceptional you know one other category going for it it's it's an oscar situation yet again yeah. <laughs> starfield feels like because this is we're taking like you know a, a median vote from all of the games industry starfield is like the median game that it is, is the true. most bland, condensed soup video game that maybe there has ever been. And I feel like that is what is going in its favor for these nominations. Okay, okay, but wait. Ugh. Do you know what the wild thing is? And I'm going to say this because I think this is... But this is, again, something that I think. This isn't something I think most people think. Mm-hmm. My bold choice would be to honestly not put Tears of the Kingdom on the list. Yes. And I think there are other games that would get on there above it. But I think most people are probably going to be like, 
yeah, Tears of the Kingdom has to go on that list. Yeah, it, it has to go on the list. That's that's. I think that Just, is the thinking. It has to be on the you, list. This is such an upsetting thing to do because I'm like so disappointed. Like Spider-Man 2 probably has to stay, right? Yeah. God damn it. Come on, people. Of course it is. Be better. It's, it's, but it's bigger, but it's like Spider-Man, but it's bigger. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Starfield is not going to get on the list. I think Final Fantasy 16 has a better chance. I also do. I think we, okay. How does, how does that look to you? Because I feel like there was like Starfield backlash. I don't feel like there was Final Fantasy backlash. I think I that mean, there was. Good. I think to a much smaller extent, though. The thing is, is that it was a different kind of backlash because it was a critical backlash of people being like, oh, there's some issues with the narrative. And oh, like, right. I think, of course, whereas which with, is something um, that most people yeah, don't care about. Don't give a shit about. Which is why Hogwarts Legacy would make it. Uh But uh, whereas with Starfield, it was like, this game kind of is just janky as all hell. Right. Being somewhat of an apology for slavery is less disqualifying than being boring in the Game Awards eyes. May I I return to Hogwarts Legacy in that (laughs) case? (laughs) I, uh, I just can't. I, I need to live in a world where it doesn't happen, at least until tomorrow. Okay. Can I throw a wrench in the system just Please to talk do. about it? What if... What if Jeff pulls an audible and he does increase the amount of nominees just to let Hogwarts Legacy stay on the ballot? Yes. I've I've heard this this discussion happening, too. I think that's when um, our... You, you and Zoe's beginning of the year predictions finally pay off and Jeff Keighley gets canceled. Here's the thing. I don't think that would get Jeff Keighley canceled. No, I think not. if he part of me wonders if it's not on the list, if Jeff is going to be called too woke. Well, sure. But, you know, they'll balance it out by not letting any women on the show. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, so just before we get into our final discussion on this, our list so far is Baldur's Gate 3, Tears of the Kingdom, Spider-Man 2, Alan Wake 2, Armored Core 6, Final Fantasy 16. This is what we have. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is a lock. Yes. I think Tears of the Kingdom is probably a lock. Mm-hmm. I think everything else is a little malleable. I think Spider-Man 2 is a lock. Oh, God, fine. The other three are more malleable, I would say, for sure. It seems absurd for Jeff Keighley not to have Todd Howard <laughs> get a nom for Starfield. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I feel like From Software is going to be on the list because they have a good track record. Oh, wait. I just thought of another wrench. I just thought of a cyber wrench that we could throw into these works. No. You don't think so? Cyberpunk in Game of the Year? People are falling over themselves to rehabilitate that game's image. It's be- Here's what I think is going to happen. In Witcher 3 fashion, I think that Cyberpunk might win a different category. Like, for, What did Blood and Wine win? Uh, Blood and Wine won Best RPG in 2017. Oh, it was Best RPG. It was the genre. Yeah, okay. That makes more yeah. sense. Okay, okay. I retract that. Which also just made me... I, I was also using up. the Witcher precedent, but I forgot that it was uh, it was the best RPG. 
It wasn't nominated as best game. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. This is completely unrelated, but I have to look up something now. Okay, cool. Wait, what? What year was this? Uh, oh, it was 2016. Okay, because I was about to say 2017 is when Near Automata came out. If Blood and Wine beat Near Automata, I would shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Cyberpunk's getting on this list. No, if Hogwarts okay, Legacy yeah. isn't. I think Cyberpunk isn't. It's just it's DLC. There have been too many like full on games this year that were beloved. That's true. I don't know. What do you think about this list? Okay. Ah, uh, man. Like obviously, there's some who, with like kind of squishy positions, but that's going to be the case of any other game. Would Alan Wake Two maybe get cut for Starfield? That seems wild. It does seem wild, but like... Because we also have to consider, like, Alan Wake is a very well-received game, better received than Starfield, and it's also, there's a lot of people who have been waiting for this game since the first Alan Wake, and I think, you know, I like I was saying with Armored Core, I think there's at least one, there's at least enough people at every outlet who have that mindset to, like, push for it. Okay, I think we stick with what we have. Because I think someone like me who hasn't finished Alan Wake because I'm a coward and, you know, whatever, like it, it's not my personal vote for it, but I get that it's on there. And I think that's going to be the case of a lot of outlets. There's going to be people being like, well, I see the merits of Alan Wake 2 artistically, and I don't see that in Starfield. So that will be enough to like bolster the the true believers, you know? I guess what I have to remember is that it is outlets voting on this. It, it, it isn't it's the not, average gamer. So like... Yeah. Give them a little credit, I, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I think we I think we're good. I think I we think stay with what we have. List. OK, yeah. So uh, Girl Mode's predictions for Game of the Year nominees is Baldur's Gate 3, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Alan Wake 2, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, and Final Fantasy 16. Mm -hmm. And here to present the next category is Christopher <laughs> Judge. Uh, Ugh, bless what category man. do we want to do next? Best we indie? We can do best indie, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's... This is going to be wild. This is going to be this a is, weird one. I think Sea of Stars... Might, oh, sorry. This might hurt us more than it hurt us to do Game of the Year. Totally. I think Sea of Stars is going to be on there. Yeah, absolutely. Venba. I think Venba makes it. I think Venba might be the most interesting game that makes it to the ballot, because it had I, enough yeah. support. Yeah. Which I don't mean in a backhanded way. Like it's it's it is an interesting game. It does it it is like uh, for sure on my individual ballot. Uh, oh, this um, is interesting. This is very interesting. Yeah. Oh, recency, but I think it's going to get it. Thirsty suitors. I think people like that game and talked about it enough that it might make it. Okay, I haven't played it, so I I don't really have a uh, an impact on here. Okay, so things we're working with. Venba, Thirsty Suitors, Sea of Stars. Do you think Dredge? Ooh. You know what I think? What about El Paso Elsewhere? Is that too... Put it on the list. Let's start. Let's make a, let's make a short list. Yeah, okay. And then work our way from there. Okay, okay. So I want to just say, not to like put you on blast, but we're both in a Google Doc right now and you keep saying games and then you just don't put them in. Well, because then, you know, <laughs> this is an audio medium. I if I just put it in the list, people aren't going to hear it. Well, yeah, but that's why you do both. I can't I can't think and write at the same or talk and write at the same time. OK, Dredge, El Paso, Elsewhere. 
I know. <laughs> Trust me. What was a game that I, I had a game that I just thought of? What about Cosmic Wheel? I got to be real. I don't think it's making it. We can put it on the list. I'm going to look up article. I'm going to look up lists of best indie games. I looked up inverses and then I remembered that we're too perverted for this to actually reflect anyone else's <laughs> opinions because yeah, we wrote no. that piece. <laughs> yeah. So it has shit like Mediterranean Inferno on there, which is not going to be on the ballot. Oh, Cocoon. Cocoon for 100% Cocoon. Oh, yeah. Do you think Dave the Diver is going to be on there? That was the one I was thinking okay. of. Okay, we're at eight. If we can think of any more that are in the running. I have a question. You actually have no way to help me on this, but... Fantastic. I, I'm i thinking of a space for the Unbound still, but I don't think it's going to make it. I don't think so. Like, there are games that I think should be on here, but I think realistically they're not. And I think I'm just trying to be very hopeful by even, even considering... Mm-hmm. putting them on the list which ones were you thinking of i was like could we get the making of karateka on here no or chance of sonar i think chance of sonar <sighs> oh no we have to have a discussion has a possibility we have to have a terrible discussion oh i oh god okay i i Do you know what i'm thinking i think there are enough indie games that broke through this year that no one will have the fucking balls to put Baldur's Gate 3 on this list. No, I wasn't actually going to say oh, that. What were you thinking? Although that would be hilarious. Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 as best indie game. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and this hurts me to even say this, but I think it's the reality of the situation. Oh, no. I'm so scared. Stray Gods, a role-playing musical. Oh, 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 right. This is your, okay. This is your thing. I don't care about that at all. I know, and you should. I need your support. You're supposed <laughs> to support me. Oh, I mean, this actually like, raises I, another not, I one. I wouldn't nominate it, but I, I don't. It's yeah. whatever. Uh, this raises another one, actually. I think Goodbye Volcano High might be in consideration. I don't know. I feel like pre-release, it felt like it was getting some buzz, but I, I feel like people dropped <laughs> off. But then it came out and people were able to play it. That's mean. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I just didn't get it not enough hype. I like that game. I think it would be on my ballot. I had some big issues with that game, but I think mm -hmm. it, it deserves to be on there. Okay. Um, um, we have a list of 11 games. I think we can start cutting. <laughs> Yeah, when you were like, I don't know, maybe this will be harder than Game of the Year. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. Fucking probably. It hurts me to say this, but I think Cosmic Wheel's not making the cut. I don't think Cosmic Wheel's making the cut. I don't think El Paso Elsewhere is. <sighs> yeah, I've seen it's definitely gotten more coverage than most indies. Do you want to wait and like not cut it quite yet? Well, I think what I'm saying is that is saying that it got... 1% of the attention of an, a AAA game as opposed to 0%, which is most indie games, which doesn't really... And I think, like, Strange Scaffold is, like, respected enough. And, like, Slavier Nelson, of course, like, has... He's, like, a very well-respected figure and has given a lot of, like, good interviews, which kind of makes even journalists who don't really love, like, Strange Scaffold stuff, like, aware of him. And, like, I don't know. Let's leave it for now. I, I think there are probably enough, like big name indie games that it's probably going to get cut okay i think chance of cut gets cut before that though i think they both get cut i think they both get cut but i 
And I think, honestly, I think probably Thirsty Cedars gets cut too. Do you want to know what I was going to say? I wonder if Venba gets cut. I don't know. I think to be as like cynical as possible, Uh I think Venba represents sort of maybe the idea that some people who only like triple A games, like what they think of an indie game as. So in some ways it becomes like the example of an indie game. Fair. Thirsty Suitors might be just a little too weird for people also. Yes, exactly. Venba is more digestible. And I think there's like, it also has that groundswell thing of like the people who've played it are like, oh no, this game actually rules. And it, but it also represents those other things to people who don't care about indies. Yeah, Whereas okay. I think, yeah, uh, Thirsty Suitors by virtue of being weird isn't able to go like, oh, it's tugging my heartstring because it's a game about like a family. Okay, so currently we have seven and they are Venba, Sea of Stars, Dredge, Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Stray Gods, Goodbye Volcano High. I think Volcano High gets cut from this list. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I Now let me say something. Okay. <laughs> and I know this is going to hurt you. What if Cocoon gets cut? I don't know. It's made like it has the developers behind like Inside and Limbo in it, which already gives it like a profile. It's a very polished game, which a lot of the like uh-huh. indies aren't, and I think that that gives it some appeal for other like you know AAA focused critics. It's a very different game. It's a it's like it's a puzzle game, which is not represented otherwhere uh, otherwise on this list, and I think that's mm-hmm. gonna make people want to vote for it. I don't know. Do I feel da- like Cocoon makes it on, to be honest. Do you think Dave the Diver broke out enough? I think so. I think so, too. I think it was also helped by the fact that it came out on PC first and then only more recently came out on consoles. So it yeah. kind of got like this second wave of people second looking wave, at it. Yeah. Okay, then I think it's between Stray Gods and Goodbye Volcano High. And I think an argument could be made either way. Well, okay, wait. Here's the thing, though. Okay. Do we think people are going to care enough about what the category means to point out no. the fact that Dave the Diver is made by Nexon. No. We don't. There's no part of you that thinks that. Not really. I don't really either, but I think that that is one thing that could keep it from getting on this list. Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to cut it? I don't know. I, I don't really know if that matters enough to people. What was the list it's, last year? Wasn't Stray like I mean, well, Stray was technically developed independently. It was just heavily pushed by Sony. Last year was Cult of the Lamb, Neon White. See, some of these categories only had five. Was it only Game of, game game of, of the, the Year, year had, had six, six, though? Yeah, only Ugh. Game of the Year had six. Oh no, do we have to cut two games off so, this? <laughs> last year was uh India was Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. Which I guess are all technically Indie devs. Yeah. You know, they were they were published by like bigger publishers, but none of them were, you know, developed by a subsidiary of Nexcon. <laughs> Nexon. Um, okay, okay. Then do we cut Dave the Diver just on definition? I think it's category fraud if it stays in. I think we cut Dave the Diver and I think Goodbye Goodbye Volcano High. I think we cut it. I don't because I don't think Goodbye Volcano High and Stray Gods are going to make the list. And I think of those two, it's going to be Stray Gods. Do you? Because I would argue that Goodbye Volcano High had more attention going into its release. Ooh, I don't think so. Really? Okay. And I think the fact that there's like a Bioware alum going into it, I think the cast gives it a lot of a lot of 
You like know people, those Critical Role fans. I, I They're do. everywhere. I know. They can't be stopped or reasoned with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's cut Goodbye Volcano Eye. Okay. Okay, so we have five. Sorry, Fang, I love you. <laughs> Your band is so, very good. Our predictions for the nominees for Best Independent Game are Venba, Sea of Stars, Dredge, Cocoon, and Stray Gods. I think this is a pretty solid list. I think we're basically the Nostradamus of video games. Really? What what would you have on there? What would you what would oh, you change? Oh, sorry. Solid as in good prediction. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, definitely okay. solid as in good prediction. <laughs> I was going to say we'll, solid we'll, uh, games. I can't, I'm actually offended that you would think that I would that this would be my list. You have cocoon blindness. You see cocoon and you're like, it's fine. It, it, it makes up for everything. Yeah, but I also have Mediterranean Inferno sickness. Yeah. Do we um, do we want to do our list for these, or do we want to do that another time? I kind of, this is kind of fun. I want to keep doing predictions and okay. we can do what our other, lists another should time. Should we do best performance or should we do... Um... This is fun. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, we don't have direction? to do all of these, but let's just, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do best performance because okay. I think we could like predict it and not be so upset also. That's true. And we can cool <laughs> off before we... Yeah. Okay. I actually, I have less to say about this, to be honest. I think, I think this is something that you're more into. Okay, yeah, here, then I'll just, here we go. You ready? I think this might be, and stop me if you heard this one, a lot like the Oscars. Yes. <laughs> and I think this is going to be a situation where there are going to be like a couple games that take up all the nominations. Uh-huh. I was because... going to say, what if they just nominate the cast of Stray Gods? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I really hope that this is not a possibility that anybody from stray gods gets nominated you listen i if somebody from stray gods gets nominated for best performance you know i will quit out of like just frustration i will quit i'll quit girl mode i'll quit inverse damn well sorry sorry to your cats who are going to be on the fucking street because it's gonna happen god i will Listen, I'm so sorry. I cannot. I know I'm really mean about this, Why but that game was this? so I'm bad. Mean, I didn't need to wind you up like this again. That game Who was so bad. Just watch. Just watch any of it. It's so terrible. <laughs> Nobody knows how to sing in it. Okay. Also, except they should one separate guy, Anthony Rapp. Except Anthony Rapp. Hell yeah. They should separate this category into best lead and best supporting. First off, I don't know. They really should. I think they should because uh, because here's the thing. Let's go through it. Ben Starr is going to be nominated because he's going to win. Yeah. I think Ralph Innocent is going to be nominated. He was People Sid? love Clive. Or Sid. Yeah, people okay. love Sid. Yeah. And I don't... I don't know... Or, well, no, God of War Ragnarok, they had multiple nominations. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, yeah. fine. This is the real issue, though is Baldur's Gate 3. Yes, exactly. Who's going to get nominated from Baldur's Gate 3? And I think we can give it to maybe a couple people, or is it just all going to go to um, Asterian? Because I, th- I think Asterian is the popular it's be, favorite. Yes, absolutely. And legitimately, I think if somebody's going to threaten Ben Starr for the win, it would be whatever his name is. I should look it up. <laughs> totally. Sorry that I only know Jennifer English off the top of my head because Shadowheart is the best. Mm-hmm. Neil Newborn. 
Neil Newborn. Yeah, I mean, I think he's <laughs> he's been doing the press circuit lately. He has. He's good at it. I'll, you know, <laughs> he's we'll charismatic. I mean, I he like is. the guy. You can see he's working for it. Yeah. He definitely gets on the list, though. Like, there's I, no way yeah, he doesn't. A thousand percent. Um, I do wonder if anyone else gets on the list, though. The thing is, I wonder if nobody else gets on the list because everybody unequivocally loves Asterion, and then everybody else has like pockets of love for the other characters. Yes. I mean, I, I would, think. I mean, like, I'll, I'll be, I think literally every performance in that game is great, uh-huh. but I think it is Asterion who kind of has the the popular vote. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think if anyone else has a chance, it would be Jennifer English. I agree. Let's. Was it five nominees? Yeah. Okay, then I'm going to say I, no because we have two more slots, yeah. and I don't think they're going to do that. And I would, yeah. I mean, it's like it's wild to even say that they're underrated, but like I think yeah. Lizelle's performance is so underrated, like incredible. I mean, here's the thing: I don't even love Lizelle. I would not. Pers- I'm not going to romance right. Lizelle. This but is I, even aside great. from my my crush on Lizelle. <laughs> That performance is incredible. Yeah. But I yeah, I think you're right though. I think uh-huh. I think Asterion takes up all the oxygen of from Baldur's Gate 3. Okay, now dare I ask, do we think any woman is gonna get nominated in this category? Certainly. There has to be one. I, th- I, I is this where the Stray Gods nomination comes in? Please no. I'm sorry, Willa. Please no. Don't make me do it. It would and they would give it to Laura Bailey, because mm-hmm. She's the lead. Um, yeah. Let me just. Let me I just. Don't know, who else is even like out there? Oh, like obviously okay. my my nomination. I mean, actually, if there's, I think there there could be a chance that you know someone from the cast of Goodbye Volcano High gets in here. I don't. Uh, I I've. <sighs> I think no indie game is going to get nominated in best performance. I don't know, man. Lachlan Watson's performance was re- so impressive. The issue is, I think that they associate performance way too much with like um, a triple A aesthetic i I know yeah you are which is why i i'm gonna put yuri lowenthal on the list yeah yeah i think he gets it for peter especially as this game's arc is kind of like Mm -hmm. yeah you know so i think yuri lowenthal gets on the list oh god i had somebody in mind oh I'm trying to look at our game of the year nominations um do we think that alan wake gets it Oh, interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a good one. Do you know why I think there's an argument to do? And I think that... I don't know if they would do this, but I think there's an argument to do it. Hmm. You nominate Alan Wake and you say, like, the the voice and the performance, and they both get a nomination, like, yeah. as a joint, as a joint nom. Yeah. And I think that's just weird enough. That's actually a really... Yeah, that's a really smart pick. The only other one I would argue for, but I think it's a little too weird, even for the Game Awards, is I would say Handler Walter. Too weird. How long before nomination? How long? When did uh, Alan Wake come out? October. End of October. October. So that's like five days before nominations were due. I wonder if enough people other than reviewers had played enough of the game to see that performance. Like what it becomes. Then who else would you nominate, though? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think you're. I think that's a really smart pick. I don't know that I necessarily have one that I think is the strongest. So I'm gonna put it's. What about what about the um 
What about the the whatever the Wonder Flower from Super Mario Brothers Wonder? Shut up! <laughs> Get, shut oh, the fuck up! Here is where we could see Phantom Mario. Liberty. Oh, fan! Oh, are you going to say Idris Elba? Yeah. Ooh, that's a they. Ooh. People are gonna. I've, I've I've heard it's legitimately good, and people are gonna want to you know love putting a celebrity on there. And it had a longer runway than Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. Do you think enough people played it more than Alan Wake too? I think even at least if they, didn't, they at least recognize the performance. Oh, that's true. I'm gonna make the argument. I'm gonna go out on the limb and make the argument that Alan Wake gets it. Okay. Like even the popular vote, like I think he would make the list. So that is, and I'm going to make the argument that like, I don't know if they'll do this, but I'm just going to say it just because um, Ilka or Ika Vili, who's the, like the face of Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. And then um, Matthew Peretta, who is the voice. Okay. And that's kind of, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Because it feels like you can't give it to one of them. You have to give it to both. Okay. Uh, best RPG? This is an interesting one because I think the majority of this list we're kind of chill with. Mm-hmm. Sea of Stars, I think, makes it. I think Sea of Stars makes it. Final Fantasy sixteen. Do you think that's going to get in for RPG and not action? I do. Purely on the fact that it is a Final Fantasy game and Final Fantasy equals RPG. Technically, like in most people's mind. Yeah, but this one, though. Listen, I know. And I know I would argue that it's an action game, but I think it's gonna still get it for RPG. Okay, let's put it on there. Popular, like the popular opinion. Do you think Do you think most people are having this argument? I do, I do, yeah. I think especially... Here's a question. What was God of War nominated for? I mean, it was nominated for everything. I don't know if that tells I mean... us as much. <laughs> No, but I mean category-wise. Oh my god, was it really RPG? It was action-adventure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Maybe it'll... I think actually that's I, I think that's actually where Final Fantasy XVI goes, is action-adventure. Okay. You... I'm, I don't... I don't know. This is so... That's weird. Like, I agree, but... I think that I think that the association between Final Fantasy and RPG is too strong for people to not put it in the RPG category. Okay. Especially cuz I think they're going to want to give they're going to want to give it something and I think if it's an action adventure it'll be beaten out by other things. Hmm. Cuz action adventure is that. like the nebulous AAA category. Yeah. Okay, let's hmm. let's hold on it. Baldur's Gate 3. Obviously. I'm going to make the argument that Octopath Traveler is going to be on here. Okay. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, Octopath Traveler 2. Because, like, legitimately, I'm trying to think, what other RPGs? Phantom Liberty. Phantom Liberty. Is this where it gets it? I do think Phantom Liberty gets it on here. Do you know what I would have said if if it didn't come out, like, literally a couple days after the the end of... Like uh, mm. eligibility, I would have said Tales of Arise Beyond the Dawn. Really, I haven't even played it, but I think it would have gotten on the list. I don't know. I think it's a f- quiet enough year that it could have gotten on. Yeah, quiet for RPGs. That is like I don't. It's I don't think there were a ton of RPGs, unless I'm forgetting stuff. 
Yeah, I'm oh. scrolling through like Polygon's list of the best games this year, and there really aren't that many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say something stupid, but forget about it. No, please do. No, no, no. I was going to say From Software, but that is an action game. No, yeah, with one million percent. I mean, Fire Emblem Engage came out at the beginning of this year. I, I don't know if that gets no overwhelmed way. by later games, though. I think it gets overwhelmed. And people like to, I don't know. Do you think it beats out Octopath Traveler 2? I don't know. I think Octopath Traveler 2 has enough love. Yeah, possibly. I'm kind of happy with this list, honestly. Yeah, like, I think, I think this is yeah. what people would go with. I think it's a reasonable list. Because also I feel like this is all there is to put on the list. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we don't have to do all of these. Do you want to do any more of these categories? Um, I want to do most anticipated, I think. Okay. Is there one you really want to do? Not particularly. I think if we do art direction or narrative, we're going to end up just having the same conversation we always do about those. Yeah, like, yeah. I think, honestly, it's those are conversations that are more interesting to see what happens. Yeah. To see, you know, to see, to see how people choose to interpret the category this year. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do, because this is going to be an absurd one to predict. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, number one, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yeah. There's no way it's not. Uh, does Dawn Trail get on there? No. Really? Really. I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm in. I'm in a Final Fantasy 14 bubble. I don't know. What the yeah, fuck you really. I'm about. I mean, you really are. Uh, what about the next, like a dragon? Part of me, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this plus Persona 3 Reload, but both of them come out in like January. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm part of me is like. It's so soon. Do people really care enough to call it most anticipated? Also, I think despite Like a Dragon having more of a fan base than it ever has, I still don't think it cuts it. I don't think it makes the cut. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, I'll put it on because I don't quite have other things. Yeah. I would say Persona 3 Reload doesn't make it. Yeah, that's one of those nebulous, nebulous ones where it's like... It, it, there are a ton of critics who love it, and then there are like a lot of people in general who just. I have a question. Most anticipated doesn't mean that it's coming out in 2024 because Tears of the Kingdom won for like years in a row. <laughs> so, do we just put on something like. Do we think Hollow Knight Silk Song is going to be on this? Surely. I. Here's a I don't fun know. exercise. Here's a fun exercise. Let's look at the most anticipated games. Uh, last year's it wasn't game last awards? year here's okay this is not a fun <laughs> exercise <laughs> oh god i'm gonna read the list to you most anticipated game and you can guess which one won uh most anticipated game nominees last year were final fantasy 16 uh-huh hogwarts legacy yeah resident evil 4 starfield and tears of the kingdom okay so those are all 2024 games mm -hmm. i will say did hogwarts legacy win no Okay. Uh, was it Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, hey, what about Hades 2? I think that's a good one. If Hades 2 makes the list, surely Hollow Knight. Mm, I don't think so. I think wow. it's been long enough since Hollow Knight. And I think also Hades was like, you know, honored by the Game Awards before yeah. the announcement of the, of the second game just came this year. True. 
I think people are like kind of sick of waiting for Silk Song, to be honest. Yeah. Are there any big AAA games that people are hyped about? I wouldn't know. No, I'm like literally looking at a list of upcoming games, and I do. We want to put. Okay, here's a. Well, they just delayed it. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say Destiny Two: The Final Shape, but I think they hmm. just delayed it. What about the Star Wars game? If I say yes, are you going to be mean to me again? Star Wars Outlaws. No, I've. I'll put it on the list. I've moved past that. Sure, you have. I'll put it on the list. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Man, next year's looking rough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird how that happens when you keep fucking firing everybody. I don't know what could be going on in the industry to to do this. What about Hellblade 2? I mean, that's that's a weird one. Yeah, it it feels like, I don't know. Sure, why not? There's like nothing else. (laughs) Fuck it. Let's call it. Princess Peach Showtime. I mean, that would be on our list. Yeah. What about Sucker for Love, Date to Die For? <laughs> Jeff's so excited. That's on my list. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Let's keep Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth on. Oh, Foam Stars. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We yeah, need to the, end this. The you're getting are going to come point. out for this one. I know. We it. need to I end. You're it. just getting to the point where you're just making jokes endlessly. <laughs> yeah, we can't have a podcast where we make jokes. Who would who would ever listen to that? I am getting sick of this though. So we can we can end after this one. Yeah. Um, so most anticipated. Uh, I think the list we have is fine. Yeah, I think it's great. I think we're perfect in every way. <laughs> God, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Hades Two, Star Wars Outlaws, Hellblade Two. Great. We did it. This is going to be really interesting. It's going to be so fun. I can't wait. We're to, gonna I have hope to... we're like so wrong. That would be extremely <sighs> funny to me. if we. And then we knew we would know for two days how much we fucked up and we would still yeah. have to put up the episode. Yeah. <laughs> if on if on Wednesday we say, oh, no, it turns out there was like our audio oh, got super got corrupted. corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, something happened. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, uh, besides being sad about the state of media and also liking to shit on Jeff's Game Awards, like always, what else have you been up to? Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to have a couple of non-gaming things. The big thing I've been doing this week is looking at and thinking about the kittens I just adopted, who I love with my whole heart, even though they uh, are afraid of me still. Yeah, that's been most of my week. Uh, I do want to say last night. Uh, I went to see, uh, like, a long time ago on the show, I, I, I shouted out my friend's band, the Draculas, when their their album came out. And I went to see them last night. It was their first show in Pittsburgh, which was very fun. Obviously, you know, my my friend who's in the band is from Pittsburgh, now lives in Jersey City. So they're they're local to Jersey City, and they came back to, to play a show, which was really lovely um, to be able to see her, like, fucking crushing it. Someone I've known for like years, like doing this incredible thing. It's also when my voice sounds even more shitty than usual because I was shouting a lot and I'm very fragile. And so that's just what happened. So yeah, uh, the Dracula has played with a couple of local bands, uh, Century 3 and Sweat, who are both really good. I'd recommend looking them up um, and definitely look up the Dracula's. Uh, and if you're near Jersey City, see if they're playing a show near you because they put on a fucking really good show. And then for the gaming thing that I've been doing, I've been playing 
Cobalt Core, which I'm so excited for. It's great. I was right. Once again, this game fucking rules. Uh, I've talked about it enough. I'm not going to go into detail, but it's like a turn. It's a card turn based spaceship battler with very cute art and good writing and a fucking sick as hell soundtrack. Um, there's one boss theme in particular that is like it just goes so fucking hard. Uh, I love the soundtrack. I've like been listening to it as I just kind of go about my day. But yeah, super fun as hell game uh, made by Rocket Rat Games, the creator of Sunshine Heavy Industries, which I also love. So just want to, for the millionth time, recommend you play both of those games because they they fucking rule. Um, yeah, but how about you? What have you been up to this week? Yeah, so I'm going to shout out a game because it seems to be getting to the quieter time of the year at the end of the year where like n- not a lot of major games are coming out, so... I've pretty much reviewed like most of the games I'm going to review this year. Uh, we've done nominations for the Game Awards, so I've kind of slowed down my like frantic playing a bunch <laughs> of games. So I kind of have more free time to just play any game I kind of want, which naturally led me to playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Seeing your girlfriend. <laughs> Seeing the most perfect woman in the world who has never done anything wrong and certainly not war crimes, Edelgard. (laughs) Fire Emblem Three Houses is still as good as ever. I love it. I'm in an early stage of the game. I just chilling uh, being a professor who is flirting flirting with her her student. Uh, But I... It's such a good game. It's so comforting. I I don't know. It's that weird thing where it's like being somebody who plays games for their job. I need to find the games that I like can chill out with. And coming back to Fire Emblem Three Houses has been so amazing. And honestly, Edelgard is one of the best characters ever. I legitimately think her arc is fucking fantastic. You all owe it to yourselves to play Fire Emblem Three Houses and see the beauty that is Edelgard. But yeah, so I've just been playing it and vibing and fishing and having tea with Edelgard. It's like, <laughs> what else could I want in life? Truly. Like, literally nothing. But yeah, so that's really what I've been up to. Cool. Yeah. But I think that is going to be it for this episode of Girl Mode. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts and you can find us on social in many places. We'll put it in the link in the show notes. Uh, you can also send us questions. We had a really fun time doing questions for our one-year anniversary. And yeah. if you want to keep sending us questions, you can at girlmodepod at gmail.com. My mom actually called me the day <laughs> after we recorded our one-year episode. She called me and she was frantically like, did you record your one-year <laughs> episode? And I was like, yeah. That's amazing. And she was like, I forgot to send questions. And um, I didn't say this to you then mom and i'm sorry uh but like we were saying you could send us questions for like two months yeah what took you so long time management did she did you get her questions did she ask no, you I her didn't. questions on the phone you should why not we can put those in the pile she for can later email them she can email them to us mom oh, send us an email wow. please you don't get to the front of the line just because you're willow's mom yeah i would i'm kind of desperate to know what she would ask yeah me too yeah the best part you want to know the other best part about this story what so we were on the phone and my brother was visiting 
home. So he was also there on the phone. And my mom was like, I forgot to send in questions for the one year episode. And then my brother goes, one one year episode of what? What podcast? (laughs) And then my mom was like, Will is podcast. And my brother was like, you have a podcast? (laughs) Which I actually love. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm like, how dare he? I'm just like, good. I want nobody to know. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, send anyways. us questions, especially if you're Willa's mom, but even if you're not. Yeah. Besides that, I am on socials at the Willa Row. Yeah. And I am at Robin Bombas. That's it. I really hope that we, our predictions are okay. That's it. Vote for us for best uh, podcast at the Game Awards. Vote for us for best uh, art direction, actually. Definitely not. Best narrative? <laughs> best narrative. Yeah. I think yeah. best, um, certainly not best performance. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, best esports team, of course. E- <laughs> Nobody in the Overwatch League is going to be on that oh. list. Brutal. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Overwatch League. Yeah, sorry. You deserve better. Both of us, like, we love these sites. We really, we really respect the people who are doing this work. And, like, we're, like, I I feel a genuine sense of, like, I never, like, I always wanted to have a piece in Uppercut or, like, you know, I would love to have my writing in any of these places and never have. Like, I don't, I'm kind of inside the industry right now, so I don't need it in the way that some people do. But I, it would just mean a lot to, like, have a place that I respect so much have my writing, right? I fully forget where that thought was going. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> what was I saying? You were saying how you wanted, you would love to have your work. In yeah, some of these but places. why did I say that? There was something I said before that. <sighs> Motherfucker. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'll just clip this out. You're going to, you're going to be editing this episode and you're going to hear what you said and you're going to realize what I'm it was. And you're it, just yeah. going to, you're going to cut yourself in. You're going to re-record and be like, <laughs> this is what I was going to say. Yeah.